Last week, we, um, we spent some time meditating on Isaiah chapter 9, uh, verse 2. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of deep darkness on them has light shone. Um, and just spent some time meditating on the fact that when our Savior, the Lord Jesus came to the earth and was born in the stable and placed in a manger, he came as the light of the world. Um, and he, shi- he shined his light into the deep darkness. Um, and what an incredible encouragement and hope that it is for us in our lives. Um, today, I want us to consider in Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 1, about the comfort that our Lord brought in His appearing. Isaiah chapter 40, starting in verse 1. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her that her warfare is ended. That her iniquity is pardoned. That she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. A voice cries, in the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up. And every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much. For your word. We thank you that you have chosen to reveal yourself in your word, in your scriptures. And Father, even as we were encouraged and challenged by Brother Colt in reading there in Second Peter to pay attention to what the holy prophets of old have said, we thank you that even now we have that opportunity as we devote ourselves to your word, to listen to what they wrote, that your Holy Spirit led them to write from your mouth thousands of years ago. And Father, I pray that in a a mighty and powerful way, even as we think about the comfort that was prophesied for your people, that today, that you will comfort our hearts. And Father, I pray that not only will you comfort our hearts, but that you will use us to be a comfort to the people that surround. For the many who are still in darkness that are in our communities and in our families and in the world around, that you will use us to be a bright light in this dark world and to be a blanket of comfort in the the chill and the cold 
that comes with a life without you. Father, I pray that even now that you by your spirit will minister to our hearts. I ask that the words of my mouth and the meditation of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight. O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. And it's in Jesus name we pray. Amen. It's good and right to celebrate um, for Christmas. It's, it's good and right to have Christmas parties and to rejoice and to be merry. As, it, as they say, Merry Christmas. As we think about our, our Lord Jesus and the gift that he is to the world. But in the midst of it, I'm, I'm sure you have experienced and we all are aware of people who are experiencing profound and deep hurt and pain that is particularly acute during the holiday season. Brother Colt prayed about this earlier, but we're aware that a couple of days ago in Arlie, just about 15 minutes from here, a 17-year-old young man that many of us here know took his last breath after having been in a car accident. This happening two years later after his father had died on New Year's Eve. Think about the grief, the pain, the heartache, the loss. I was talking to another friend and her niece, who was just two years old, they got word that she um, has a syndrome that has unpreventable seizures that will last for her whole life. And many people who get that, uh, get this syndrome, even die when the, the, the longest that they end up living is to be seven years old. And they just got that news a week or two ago. The holidays can be very difficult. And it's easy to find it with other people out there. But then even when we think about our own lives, many of us have experienced profound loss and hurt and pain in the holiday season. And those who have experienced it know what I mean. And so in one sense, there's part of us that longs to rejoice and be merry but there's also a sense in which we grieve and, and experience a certain sense of aloneness because it seems like the other people around us just can't understand what we're going through in that moment. But some of the wonder... That is Christmas, and that is focused on and celebrated at Christmas, 
is the incredible truth and the wonderful fact that when our Lord Jesus came into this world, He came bringing the very comfort of God. And that's part of... Part of why Christmas is so wonderful that those who are grieving and those who are hurting and those who feel alone and in the dark, there is hope. Because the Lord himself has provided a comforter. He himself is our comfort and he has provided comfort for his people. The Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verses 3 and 4 says this. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and God of all comfort. Who comforts us in all our affliction so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Comfort. Meaning to to soothe in time of affliction or distress. A condition or feeling of pleasurable physical ease or or relief from pain or stress. To go outside in the middle of the winter with a t-shirt on is cold and intensely miserable. And if the temperature is low enough, it could lead to hypothermia. But when you've experienced the cold and then all of a sudden someone brings a warm blanket and wraps it around you, you experience relief and comfort. And you go inside and there's a warm fire and it comforts you to your bones. Our God is a God of comfort, particularly for his people. And he promises to comfort his people. And that's one of the incredible truths that is highlighted for us here in Isaiah chapter 40. It starts off, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. You see, the Holy Spirit through Isaiah wrote... In the 8th century B.C., so hundreds of years before Christ. And he wrote prophetically. And as we come to this section in this portion of Isaiah, he is really speaking to a time when the nation of Israel was going to be in exile in Babylon. And experiencing the the hurt and the pain and the, the punishment of being exiled away from the Lord, which that happened in the 6th century B.C. And so for the original readers of this, what an incredible message. The Lord crying out, comfort, comfort my people.
But what an incredible truth that applies to God's people today. That he has provided comfort. He comforts his people and it should cause us to look to him. And, and, and especially as we are in this Christmas season to acknowledge and realize that his provision of comfort came to us through the advent of our dear Lord Jesus as a baby to this world. See, the Lord comforts his people. Look to him for comfort. The Lord comforts his people by pardoning iniquity. And we see that in verses 1 through 2. And then we see in verses 3 through 5 that the Lord comforts his people by revealing his glory or by his glory being revealed. We will unpack a little bit of what this means and how it applies to us today. So verses 1 and 2, we see that the Lord comforts his people by pardoning iniquity. It starts in verse 1, comfort, comfort my people, says your God. Speak tenderly to Jerusalem and cry to her, first of all, number one, that her warfare is ended. What what an incredible piece of encouraging news. I know that those living in Israel today would love to hear that word, their warfare is ended. But then it says this, that her iniquity is pardoned. That she has received from the Lord's hand double for all her sins. For the nation of Israel in exile, they were experiencing the punishment and the judgment that they rightly deserved for rebelling against the Lord. And, and through the prophet Isaiah prophetically speaking, he is giving them a message that the Lord is saying, the warfare is ended. Your iniquity is pardoned. Now, iniquity is a word that we don't really use very much. Even in Christian circles, when we talk about what is wrong with us, we normally just use the term sin, which sin is a good term, and it's, it's a biblical term, and we need to use the term sin. But it's amazing that in the scriptures, there are many different terms that the Holy Spirit led the authors to use regarding Sin and what it is and what it entails. And in this particular instance, the term iniquity is used. Iniquity is the, from the Hebrew word awan. I don't know if it's exactly pronounced like that, but I'll just say it. I'll just say it. Awan. But it means perversity, depravity, or guilt. The Lord knew 
that one of the most comforting messages that the people of Israel in exile could receive is this. Number one, that their war was ended and that there was peace. And secondly, that their iniquity, that their guilt, that their depravity, that the perversity in their heart was pardoned. And that is a comforting message. It's interesting because it's hard when we think about, well, comfort. So take, for instance, the illustration of when you're out in the cold and then someone puts a warm blanket around you and it comforts you. The presence of the blanket ends up giving relief from the, the cold and from the hardship and it brings comfort. So in the same way, comfort comes from the presence of God in our life. He is the God of all comfort. So then why would someone's sin, someone's iniquity being pardoned, being forgiven, why is that comforting? Well, it's comforting because our sins bring a separation between us and God. And so when we are separated from God, we are left out in the cold. And we cannot experience the com- we can't experience the comfort of his nearness and his presence. But when we have our sin forgiven, we can then experience the nearness of fellowship with God. And so for Israel in exile, this message of their sins, their iniquities being pardoned was a message of comfort. It is a message that we need today. That we have a God who has provided a way for our iniquity, our guilt, our depravity, our perverseness to be forgiven, to be pardoned. And that came to us through that little baby, our dear Lord Jesus. The Holy Spirit through Isaiah, just a few pages later in Isaiah chapter 53, he speaks of iniquity again. And he says this in verse 5. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. Remember this comforting message started off with saying, your warfare is ended, there is peace. Now your iniquity is pardoned. 
Right here in Isaiah chapter 53, we see how that was accomplished. It was accomplished by our Lord Jesus, that little baby who grew up to die on the cross. And when he died on the cross, he was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's a message that you and I need to hear. What, whatever's happening in our life, whatever is going on, wh- whether, whether we're rejoicing and happy and thankful for what's going on, or we're struggling, dealing with grief and feeling alone and And experiencing a keen need for comfort. There's good news. The Lord has made a way. The Lord has made a way so that our war with God could be come to an end and we could be at peace with Him. And He's made a way that our guilt, our iniquity, can be pardoned, released. Not held against us. Forgiven. And in receiving that forgiveness, we experience the nearness of His presence. To warm our hearts and to grant comfort. And if you're here today and you have never experienced that, I challenge you, look to Jesus. He, the one who was born as a baby in a stable, lived. But when he died, he died for us. On him was the chastisement that brought us peace. He was crushed for our iniquities. And this is good news for us as believers who have turned to him. Because we still daily battle with sin. We still daily battle with iniquity. And we, if we're honest, give in to the perverse, depraved desires of our hearts in different ways. And we are left guilty. And we can experience this feeling of a break in fellowship with God. And there's something within us that longs to be comforted, but there's something within us that tells us that there's something wrong. God has made a way. He's paid for that iniquity and we can come to him and receive his comfort. We can come to him in faith and trusting in the finished work of Jesus on the cross To be made right with him and be comforted. 
And when we are comforted, to be able to bring that comfort to those who mourn. We all know people in this season who are grieving, who are struggling, who are hurting, who need to be comforted. We all know people who are out in the cold and they don't have a blanket. But the only way that the Lord can use us to be of comfort to them is when we have received His comfort ourselves. And the Lord has provided it for us through our dear Lord Jesus. Comfort, comfort my people, says your God. And my prayer is that right now the Lord will comfort each of your hearts. Through the power of our our dear Lord Jesus. And that we would confess our sin to him. Confess our iniquity to him. And be forgiven. And, and seek out other believers to confess our sin to and have them pray for us that we may be healed, that we may experience His comfort. But not only does the Lord comfort by pardoning iniquity, in verses 3 through 5, we see that the Lord brings comfort by revealing His glory or His glory being revealed. And it should lead us to to meditate on the glory of Jesus. And we'll explain this a little bit more as we go on. But in verse 3 it says, A voice cries, In the wilderness prepare the way of the Lord. Make straight in the desert a highway for our God. Every valley shall be lifted up, and every mountain and hill be made low. The uneven ground shall become level, and the rough places a plain. These are wonderful verses to take time to meditate on. And in your minds, picture what exactly this would look like for a valley to be lifted up and a mountain and a hill be made low. Uneven ground shall become level. We've all experienced driving down a dirt road that isn't even. And then we've all experienced when you drive down a dirt road and it's just been planed out and it's smooth. What a difference. And the shocks of our vehicles like, like it a whole lot better when it's smoothed out. The rough places a plain. This passage here in Isaiah chapter 40 is quoted in each one of the gospel accounts. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 3, and Mark chapter 1, verse 3, and Luke chapter 3, verse 4, and John chapter 1, verse 23. And in each of the gospel accounts, the Holy Spirit through the authors is highlighting how this is speaking of John the Baptist. Which, as we are in the Christmas season and we consider the account found in the book of Luke, the main thrust before the birth of Jesus focuses on the birth of John the Baptist. And there is much focus and a big deal made about it. So as we think about the Christmas season, the focus is placed first on John 
but it's placed on John as the messenger who prepares the way for the Lord. It's, it's, the, it's the announcer who goes before announcing the royalty who is to come. It's kind of like when you're driving down the road and you see, um, you see the truck that says um, um, a, um, an oversized vehicle ahead. It's letting everyone know, well, there's a big oversized vehicle ahead, so you need to be careful and you need to be aware. And that's a very crude illustration, and it doesn't really highlight the the exact meaning and the significance. But in one way, for those who are driving, when they see that car with its light flashing, they know, oh, well, there's there's a big oversized load coming my way, so I need to be careful. John was that messenger that went ahead of Jesus. And he was making the way smooth for the entrance of Jesus. But then listen to verse 5. And the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. And all flesh shall see it together, for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. Now this is interesting. It's an interesting term that's used, the glory of the Lord. In Hebrew, the term is kabod, or chabod. And it's a technical term for God's manifest presence for his covenant people. Earlier in the book of Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 6, when Isaiah has a vision of the Lord seated on a throne, high and lifted up, and the angels are around, and they are crying out to one another. In verse 3 it says, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of His glory. The weight of His character, the weight of His nature of who he is. It's interesting because the glory of God is taught on and highlighted throughout the Old Testament scriptures. And in very wonderful and in very great and majestic ways. In Exodus chapter 16, verses 7 through 10... As the nation of Israel are leaving Egypt, it talks about the cloud that goes before them and makes a way. And it's a pillar of fire by night and a pillar of cloud by the day. But in Exodus 16 verses 7 through 10, it highlights that that cloud was the glory of God. At the end of Exodus chapter 40... Verses 34 through 35, when the the people of God make the tabernacle to worship the Lord, it highlights that the cloud, the glory of God, took residence in the tabernacle. Exodus 40, verses 34 through 35. 
And then later on, as you continue on with the history of Israel, in 1 Kings chapter 8, verse 11, it highlights that when the temple was built, the glory of God came and rested in the temple. The, the manifest presence of God came to the temple. And in passages like Exodus 29, 43 and Psalm 26, 8 and Psalm 63, 2, it highlights that people saw this and it was great and it was, it was magnificent and it was weighty. And the Bible highlights of a time in the future where once again the world will become as a sanctuary where his glory will be revealed. Numbers 14.21 speaks of that day. Psalm 72.19 speaks of that day. Habakkuk 2.14 speaks of that day. Isaiah 11 verse 9 speaks of that day. And here in Isaiah chapter 40, it says that the glory of the Lord shall be revealed. Now, now this is interesting. In Exodus chapter 33, Moses, who walked with the Lord and who led the nation of Israel, and the Lord led him to, re- to write at least five books of the Bible. He, he was having a conversation with the Lord, and the Lord was calling for him to lead the people of Israel into the promised land, and Moses boldly asked the Lord, In Exodus chapter 33, verse 18, please show me your glory. Please show me your glory. And and the Lord responded and said, I will make my goodness pass before you, but you shall only see my back. You shall not see my face. What Moses longed for was to see the glory of God. And what Isaiah is telling us is that God is promising that that glory is going to be revealed. And as a result, that revelation will bring great comfort. So now as we move a few pages over into the New Testament and we come to John chapter 1. I know Mr. Darius spoke on this. But in John chapter 1 verse 14, as John highlights for us the beginning and the birth of our dear Lord Jesus, he says this, and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen His glory. 
glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. What we celebrate at Christmas time, Jesus being born into this world, being born in a stable and placed in a manger full of hay. What the Holy Spirit through John is telling us is that at that moment, the glory of God was revealed. And we have seen the glory, the glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. What Moses longed to see has been revealed in a little bitty baby. What what saved the nation of Israel from the Egyptians in a great cloud and a great pillar of fire? What, What caused awe and worship amongst the nation of Israel at the tabernacle and at the temple? What one day will fill the earth and all will bow down before Him here? That glory... The manifest presence and character of God in a baby. In a stinky stable. Placed in a filthy manger. But God says that in that stable, His glory was revealed. And that glory being revealed in our dear Lord Jesus gives us comfort. Here in Isaiah 40, it says, and the glory of the Lord shall be revealed and all flesh shall see it together for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. And from that, his people were to take comfort. One day he will appear again in great glory. Matthew 24, 30, it says, Then will appear in heaven the sign of the Son of Man, and then all the tribes of the earth will mourn, and they will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. Revelation 1, 7, Behold, He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see Him, even those who pierced Him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of Him. Even so, Amen. There will come a time where everyone will see him come in in glory. And he will be revealed. And as Isaiah 40 says, and all flesh shall see it together, it will be fulfilled. But today we can praise him that he did come. In glory, but it was a glory that looked a whole lot different. It was a glory that completely identified with us in our weakness. 
And it was a glory that led him to live a life of suffering and die on a cross where he paid for our iniquities. He rose to life victorious. Oh, come let us adore him. Look to him. Confess your sin to him and be made right with him. Receive his forgiveness and pardon and cleansing. Meditate on the incredible glory of our dear Lord Jesus revealed in a baby who came to save his people from their sins and worship him. Oh, come let us adore him. And in that, receive his comfort so that we may bring comfort to those who mourn. Father, we thank you for our dear Lord Jesus. And Lord, I just pray that you will cause our hearts to meditate on him and on his glory that was revealed as he came and was born an infant and lived and died and rose to life again. And I pray that you will comfort our hearts and use us to comfort those who mourn. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.